Welcome to the SPE Podcast, powered by the Society of Petroleum Engineers. You're listening to SPE Live, addressing the energy challenge with fiber optic sensing. The audio from this episode was previously recorded on November 6, 2023. And now your moderator, Dennis Drea. Welcome to the SPE Live, addressing the energy challenge with fiber optic sensing. I'm Dennis Drea. I am a petroleum technology advisor for Midan Energy Consulting, and I'll be your moderator today. Today's SPE Live will be lasting 30 minutes. Uh, we encourage you to ask questions throughout the event. Um, before starting our conversations, I'd like to invite you to attend the SPE workshop that's coming up on February 20 to 21st, 2024. Fiber Optic Sensing Applications for Field Development, Integrity, and Optimization, which will be held in London. Uh, at that workshop, we'll delve into the world of fiber optic monitoring technologies and unlock their immense potential in optimizing reservoir and field development and operations. We hope that you will join us at the forefront of innovation and exploration and in well fiber optic sensing. Uh, to learn more about this workshop or to register, please scan the QR code that was in the graphic. It is now my pleasure to introduce our guests. We have a panel of three. Uh, the first is Andres Javaria. Andres is the technical director at Luna OptiSense, where he focuses on optimizing sensing tools in various fields, including energy, mining, earth systems, and infrastructure. He oversees a team of experts on fiber optic monitoring applications with over 20 years experience in earth science and engineering monitoring. Um, he holds an engineering degree from UNAM and a PhD degree in geophysics from Duke University. Next up is Pierre Bettinelli. Pierre is currently the Reservoir Performance Fiber Optics Geophysics Technical Director for SLB located in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. This role consists of defining and implementing new workflows, both operational and software related, technical competency and training programs hardware and overall digital architecture of borehole seismic and fiber optic services. He has authored more than 20 technical papers and patent applications related to these topics. Pierre earned his PhD in geophysics from the IPGP, Caltech, and CEA. We also are very pleased to welcome Garth Naldret. Garth joined Silixa in 2015 in the capacity of Chief Product Officer where he has led the development of the world's first subsea DAS system, <clears throat> as well as fiber optic subsurface stream monitoring systems and edge computing platforms. Prior to joining Selixa, Garth was Vice President of Monitoring and Control at Tendika, which he joined through the Shell Technology Ventures acquisition of FlowQuest, a software business he founded in 2006. Before founding FlowQuest, Garth was a product, excuse me, a fiber optic product champion at Schlumberger. Garth also serves on the board of the SPE Data Science and Engineering Analytics Technical Sessions. Andres, Pierre, and Garth, welcome to this SPE Live. Yeah, thanks everyone. <clears throat> Good. Thank you, Dennis. So we're going we're going to kick this off, and and during the next uh, uh, twenty five minutes or so, we're going to talk about uh, the uses of fiber optics. What uh, you know, what is is new in the area, how it's being used in energy extraction and utilization, uh, how it's extending the uh, the use in in 
um, hydrocarbon energy reserve optimization and challenging, and then the progression of its use into low carbon energy and associated uh, uh, monitoring applications. I'm gonna start off by asking Andres, can you tell us what is fiber optic sensing and what makes it so special? Hey, hi, yes, thanks, Dennis. And, and, and yeah, I think fiber optic sensing is, is super exciting. And uh, really the, the, what it boils down to is turning an existing fiber optic cable, the same fiber optic cables that we have in our phones, in our internet, uh, but instead of transferring information from one point to another, what we do is turning each point along that fiber into a sensor that we can use to measure different things. So uh, the way in which this works is essentially we connect to this and uh, what we call an interrogator unit to these uh, fiber optic cables. And this interrogator unit is gonna be sending light down that fiber and a portion of that light is gonna be reflected back. And what will happen is that when there is a change, whether it is on strain, on vibration or temperature, uh, that character of that light is gonna be changing. So uh, the beauty of this is that uh, all of a sudden, we have all of this access to cables, but we can turn each point in them in a, in, a, in a virtual sensor, not just turning it into a tool that sends information to one point uh, to another. And uh, what is very exciting about it is that we can detect very, very small uh, temperature changes, very, very small uh, strain changes, which makes it an incredibly sensitive tool. So whether we're looking at fluids, whether we're looking at seismic waves, uh, we can detect a wide range of physical processes with these types of tools. So I can tell you uh, from a seismic point of view, uh, that data has become very versatile because all the sudden a simple cable that you can bend, that you can put into very harsh environments, can give us basically the response from other uh, from other conventional geophones or other conventional seismometers, but at a fraction of a cost and with very high receiver density. So uh, I think this sensitivity uh, to again capture like tiny temperature fluctuations makes it into a super uh, thermometer that can really allows us to see uh, what is happening along uh, that. Uh, that trajectory of that fiber, whether it is on a well or whether it's on a trench fiber or on a surface fiber or on a submarine cable, uh, we are really uh, able to turn this into very sensitive tools over a very long range distance. That, that sounds like a, a, a lot of uh, a very interesting and, and uh, potentially useful, extremely useful uh, applications. But in an industry that is so conservative or quite conservative, what is the uptake with the operators that you're seeing? Yeah, and, and I think the, 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 the uptake on the technology has been really massive. Uh, the, the first temperature applications was for uh, temperature sensing uh, almost 30 years ago in, in basically wells where it was impossible to acquire data with conventional tools. Uh, and again, nowadays there's entire instrumented fields that have fiber optic embedded in them that allows us to monitor the production, to monitor injection processes. Uh, from a seismic point of view, that's, uh, we use what we call distributed acoustic sensing, and that's a little bit newer. Uh, that started almost 15 years ago when we were essentially monitoring pipelines over very long distances to look things for leaks or look for uh, people who may be tampering with the pipeline. And someone had the idea of, oh, well, what happens if we turn that 
if we if we turn that pipeline inside a well and, and start listening. And we started to record seismic waves. So now it really, DASC has become the go-to technology to do seismic measurements inside of wells. And it really has replaced in many places conventional uh, geophone technology to acquire seismic. And of course, seismology and earthquake applications uh, have really taken off by using this type of technology. So increasingly more and more assets are making use of these tools, not just for temperature, but also uh, acoustic and strain sensing. So as, as new processes are introduced, uh, new challenges arise. New technology and technology enablers help meet these challenges. Pierre, can you give us some examples of, of these? Yeah, thanks, Denis, and thanks, Andres. So I would like to extend a little bit on what uh, Andres covered already on, on the our site, uh, but also, importantly, on the software side. So first, let's discuss about fiber optic hardware. Uh, so we are now enabling acquisitions uh, which were not even discussed uh, in the past due to logistic issues, you know, uh, such as uh, shutting wells, removing completion to running all geophones. Now, with permanent fiber, we can perform such acquisitions without any different production. And, and this is very important uh, thanks to the development on production noise removal <coughs> uh, during the, the production. Enabling time-lapse VSP uh, for reservoir monitoring, but also compartmentalization to optimize production. On the other side, as Andres mentioned, we also have temporary deployment capabilities, allowing us to acquire seismic also almost transparent to real time. So, which also fit to everyone's objectives on sustainability by reducing acquisition time and therefore CO2 emission. So, this is enabled by the hybrid wireline cable, which embeds fiber optic strands. Uh, and, and this is also, uh, and here I'm not talking about uh, uh, fiber in metal tube, but really a fiber that is embedded into the cable for a best transfer function in order to optimize the data quality. Um, I mean, Andres mentioned also about uh, uh, the interrogator box. I would like also to just mention that the interrogator itself is also improving on the regular basis. I'm used to say that uh, it's like the, the same frame as iPhone, you know, uh, with a new uh, improved version every six months to one year, which is also contributing to the overall improvement uh, on, on the technology. Now, as I say, moving to software side. So we have a free uh, subcategory, I will say, um, the pre-acquisition software, the acquisition software, and the post-acquisition software. So these three uh, subcategories allow us to provide a full end-to-end -end solution to achieve objectives. So let's go into more details uh, by starting with the pre-acquisition uh, software. Uh, so knowing what we can expect is a critical step. And we need uh, basically uh, to uh, do a pre-survey modeling uh, and to get capabilities to assess the image coverage. So uh, as an example on seismic, Considering also the cosine square analysis, uh, because fiber optic amplitude recorded is linked to the cosine square of the incident angle at the receiver location, so at the fiber optic location. We can also uh, perform DAS acquisition to assess the coupling of permanent uh, cable, as coupling would be also a key uh, for a seismic acquisition. So we need to know which interval is well coupled to the formation to determine what will be the outcome of DAS acquisition. And such operations should be performed while you install permanently the fiber to optimize your chance of success. Coming back weeks or months later will be too late to react uh, to the fiber uh, installation. 
On the acquisition side, um, there is also a, a very important key enabler uh, that will be uh, the QC in real time, uh, uh, the, acquisition, uh, uh, the acquisition waveform. Uh, Source-driven bond, therefore, uh, acquisition will allow us to cross-correlate and stack in real time. So this is also a critical aspect for the successful acquisition, as you cannot wait for weeks to QC uh, the operation. So real-time aspect is very important, and software uh, enables this uh, QC in real time. Another uh, uh, important aspect for source-driven mode acquisition is the volume of data. So uh, you may know that uh, DAS acquisition generates terabytes of data per day while recording in continuous mode. And uh, uh, this is basically uh, the source-driven mode is minimizing uh, what you are recording uh, because you are using uh, basically the time zero of the source in real time and chopping the data that is uh, just needed. Finally, moving to the post-acquisition side uh, on the uh, software. So the synthetic creation has been a key enabler to optimize the turnaround time, allowing interpretation to take uh, uh, critical decisions uh, uh, quickly. So uh, let me provide you two uh, simple examples, uh, from simple to complex. So for example, uh, uh, viscoelastic modeling is in one of the uh, key uh, edge enablers. So we can now invert and perform in few minutes uh, the VP and Q attenuation profile thanks to uh, uh, the fiber optic acquisition uh, automatically without any human, uh, human intervention. So without uh, any picking, you can now uh, get a VP and Q attenuation profile. So this is uh, quite uh, important to mention. Uh, and to uh, basically uh, add another example, uh, the 2D elastic full waveform inversion uh, has been uh, a key for complex uh, uh, de designs uh, such as walkaway or multi-offset, uh, creating 2D VP, Vichy, Epsilon, Delta tomogram, as well as pseudo-reflectivity image in uh, less than one day. So an important achievement on the market uh, to take decisions in almost real time. So I hope I provided an overall aspect on the technology and what is done uh, to enable it. Uh, thanks, Denis, and uh, I give you back the floor. Thank you, Pierre. Uh, Garth, could you tell us your thoughts? What impact do you think fiber will have on the energy transition? Yeah, uh, Dennis, thanks. Yes, I think that's a great point. And actually, I'll talk about exactly that. I think it's going to be a transition. You know? So we're going to go through three phases, I think, with fiber optics. There's the conventional oil and gas uh, that I think it can optimize uh, as, as a first point. Then there's alternative energies, there's geothermal applications, and then there's the role in carbon capture and storage. So I think uh, each one of those fiber optics has a role in it. And I'll start off uh, with the conventional oil and gas. And I, I mentioned that as part of the energy transition because we will need conventional oil and gas for many years to come. So it's a question about how do we make those operations more efficient? How do we reduce the CO2 per barrel and those operations? And yeah, I think uh, fiber optics has a, a key role to play for many of the reasons that uh, Pierre and Andres they have already addressed. You know, I think uh, for one, we've got these multiple physics, uh, temperature, acoustics, and strain, and they all have a very dense recording. Uh, you record them every one meter in the well bore and continuously in time. So we have very dense spatial and temporal information, and we can use that information on the subsurface to get a better understanding and improve our, uh, our optimization because you can't optimize without data. And suddenly you've got this uh, fiber optic system in place that's going to give us vast amounts of data. Um, so how can we optimize this conventional operations? I think there's uh, key areas that we touched on, seismic. 
Um, so, you know, by having this vast array, it becomes very efficient to acquire seismic acquisitions. Um, so rather than, uh, you know, maybe acquiring seismic acquisition every two years or every five years, uh, we have some customers acquiring seismic on a daily basis, yeah? So that time-lapse understanding of seismic becomes far more powerful, yeah? Um, because these receivers, the fiber optics, are in the well bore, uh, we also get a much better seismic response. We have higher frequency content, so higher resolution in the subsurface. So that gives us a much better map of that subsurface. We're able to better position the wells, uh, target our drilling programs, and understand how to optimize there. Uh, so I think in the seismic uh, aspect, there's huge benefits. Uh, then there's production optimization. And with production optimization, we can look at things like artificial lift. How can we use it to optimize artificial lift? Better use that uh, uh, lift energy. So things like gas lift, understanding how the gas lift valves operate and understanding uh, which gas lift valves are operating at one time, when do they need replacement. Uh, fiber optics has shown great case studies and potentials here. Uh, ESP monitoring, listening to your motors and your pump. You know, there's a lot of uh, surface application in process plants. When you've got rotating machinery, you'll have a lot of uh, measurements on that. But in the subsurface, we haven't tended to do that. But suddenly with fiber optics, we can have this dense array of acoustic strain and temperature. Uh, so again, with uh, ESP monitoring, we can improve a lot. And then again, across the reservoir, uh, production logging uh, isn't applied very often. In a lot of wells, we'll go many years without a production log placed. But with a fiber optic in there, you can run the fiber across the reservoir and understand the flow profiles. You can see where the production's coming from. Uh, if you've got any phase breakthrough, water or gas, you can understand that very quickly without having to wait for a production log. So I think uh, this is speaking around these conventional operations, even in the energy transition, I think we can use what we're doing much more efficiently uh, and lowering the carbon footprint because we don't need to deploy people to these well sites to take these measurements. Uh, all of this is done permanently installed uh, without putting people on the well site. Uh, and then we move into carbon capture and storage. And I think uh, there, this is a, a very, very rapidly developing area. Um, we know the importance of taking uh, CO2 out of the atmosphere and storing it in geological uh, formations. Uh, but it's a relatively young and uh, not, not really uh, completely understood uh, industry. And I think fiber optics has a key role to play there, one for around regulatory requirements, uh, but making sure that we inject in the CO2 safely, that we're not uh, causing any events that uh, cause the industry to slow down or stop. So I think kind of making sure that there's good integrity during the injection, uh, making sure that the CO2 stays in place, the fiber optics, we can monitor uh, the, uh, the movement of the CO2 plume through the seismic techniques I uh, explained previously. Uh, we can listen to induced seismicity to make sure, as I say, that uh, is safe injection of the events. So I think in the CCUS industry, we're really seeing a, a great uptake of fiber optics uh, to, to make sure we can do this safely and efficiently. And then on the alternative energies, geothermal, I think, again, uh, that combination of DTS, so we can understand the thermal transfer and uh, geothermal fields, uh, understand the injection of production process, uh, for the distributed acoustics, we can understand the stimulation of the reservoirs. We can efficiently design the wells, the well, uh, the spacings, how far apart they are. So I think in those three key areas, fiber optics has got a big role to play in the energy transition space. Uh, Dennis, thanks. Yeah, oh, Dennis, we can't hear you at the moment. <laughs> So we'll need you to unmute. Oh, my, sorry about that. In our, our discussions, we've heard uh, several new technologies and technology enablers. Uh, what are some of the latest developments in 
enablers to um, uh, help bring fiber optics to <clears throat> relevancy in the energy transition. Uh, some Will we hear about some of these at the upcoming workshop? And I'll start with Pierre. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. So, yeah, I mean, one of the latest developments that I found very exciting uh, is the real-time microseismic monitoring enabled by machine learning. So, uh, I mean, it has been mentioned by, uh, by Garrett. Um, so, as mentioned previously, uh, the DAS technology generates terabytes of data per day. Uh, therefore, it is very difficult, even, I will say, impossible to transfer all this data in real time. And this is where the machine learning embedded into the interrogator box play, play a, a huge role. So automatically detecting the event, sending to turn only the usable data, avoiding sending uh, unwanted data, such as the background noise. So this is also, uh, I mean, removing the need of the full processing unit at age, as fiber optic monitoring will be the uh, technology, cost-effective technology for CCS and geothermal uh, life projects. So consequently, automation will be needed to achieve self-ambition, and I'm glad to mention that we achieved the first step uh, with the machine learning embedded in the interrogator box. Oh, thank you, Pierre. Andres, your comments. Yeah, and I think I think at the end of the day, what what fiber is is enabling, uh, uh, Dennis, is that let's say in these areas like uh, CCUS, geothermal, like these newer newer sources of energy, that the longevity of the fibers, I think that's what makes the technology so exciting. That it really makes them suitable for very long term surveillance. Uh, we now have validated that these fibers can detect uh, all types of induced events. Of course, safety is a very important aspect of everything we do with any source of energy. It doesn't have to be oil and gas, it can be nuclear, it can be wind. We want to make sure that our operations are safe. And I think the ability of having a sensor like a fiber that can last for, I don't know, 2,500 years, and you can continue to use it. And now that we have validated it against conventional tools, I think really will bring should bring peace of mind to, uh, to society, to our regulators that we have basically the tools to monitor things, to monitor the process, to monitor the, the operations that we are conducting in our in our reservoirs. Certainly as you as you're injecting things into the ground, whether it is water to generate geothermal resources or CO2 for storage, we want to make sure that it is conducted safely. So I think the fiber optic technology does provide that type of sensing capability that allows us to really keep track of what we're doing. Thanks, Andres, for those comments. Garth, your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, sort of probably to wrap up some of the thoughts that particularly Pierre and Andres have uh, captured over there, uh, I think it works hand in hand very much with the data science and engineering analytics applications. You know, you can't do data science without data. And uh, well bores traditionally haven't had a lot of data installed in them. They've had one pressure temperature gauge. Suddenly we've got this vast amount of data, so it really supports data science applications. Uh, but also we can't use uh, fiber optics without data science, as Pierre mentioned there. Um, you know, the, uh, there's vast amounts of data. We've got to use tools that are efficient. Um, I've touched on uh, artificial intelligence, you know, being able to automatically detect and identify data. I think that's going to be very key. 
uh, digital twins, you know, these can be uh, a lot more efficient if we're using some uh, measurements to constrain the digital twin rather than the optimization. So I think uh, that part goes hand in hand. And then also the visualization, I think the efficient uh, visualization technique so that we can effectively mine this data will be a very important part too. Thanks, Dennis. Great, thank you, Garth. Uh, we'd like to uh, uh, getting close to uh, to the ending here, and I'd like to open up to some questions. Uh, the first one we have is from Steve Matthias, and the question is: A lot has been said about distributed sensing. What are the thoughts on the use of discrete optical sensors as well for a complete optical system? For example, uh, pressure and temperature sensors, flow sensors, and three component seismic sensors. Uh, I can go, I can take a stab at it first, uh, and, and certainly I think oh, okay. uh, Great. Dis distributed sensors are very important because they provide us, again, a very wide uh, aperture of, of linear assets, whether it's a well or a pipeline. Uh, but of course, point sensors, they are going to be giving you an absolute measurement. Oftentimes, we need other types of, of sensors to complement our measurements. So, I don't think we are fully replacing a, a lot of conventional point sensors, but really enhancing and basically providing a, a wider illumination. But I think uh, conventional gauges, uh, some certain types of flow meters that really can allow us to separate uh, certain types of signals will, will still be important for different types of aspects in our asset monitoring. Great. Okay. Yeah, if you want to extend. Yeah, no, I can also add to uh, what Andres has said there. I think uh, if you make an investment of installing fiber optics into the wellbore, then I think the point sensors add a tremendous amount on top. And in the same way, if you were running a production logging tool, you would ideally put as many sensors on that production logging tool as you can. If you're running a permanent system, you want to put as many sensors as you can there, including point sensors. Uh, now, with pressure temperature sensors, uh, if you put optical pressure temperature sensors onto the cable, of course, you can uh, potentially remove the electrical cables in the well. So, again, it makes sense to go to an all-optical system. Uh, optical flow meters, again, are probably going to provide you better accuracy. So, uh, very easy to deploy those if you already have made the investment of putting the fiber optic cables in the well and will better constrain things like your flow estimation. So, I think it has a, a perfect place in combination with the distributed sensors. Yeah, I um, have another question, question that, that uh, I would like also to uh, to add. Uh, yeah, I mean, we are all uh, you know very excited on, on this topic. So I would like also to add on, on the the workflow side. So there is already workflows that are uh, you know uh, you know incorporating uh, uh, discrete and distributed measurement. Uh, so let's say on Microsoft Institute, for example. Uh, where we basically uh, develop some workflows where you can basically combine both uh, in order to uh, minimize uncertainty. Uh, so there is, uh, you know, uh, some uh, some workflows available on this aspect, Stephen. Okay, we have a, a question that's come in from <clears throat> from Daniel Hinger. Uh, what is the maximum temperature rating of the fiber optic systems currently in the market uh, that can be used in the geothermal applications? About 500 to 700 degrees, uh, Dennis, yeah, they are high temperature fibers, it'll go up to that. Okay. Degrees Celsius, that is, yeah. The, uh, we have a, mm -hmm. okay. 
that's quite impressive uh, temperature range. Um, from from Doug Walser, uh, can you talk about industry improvements related to distinguishing fiber optic strain inside the fibers protective casing from strain caused by movement in the surrounding rock or tubulars? So it's a question about strain transfer and what are you a actually able to pick up the um, uh, rock strain from something that is isolated by several layers. Uh, I can take that one now. Uh, and I'll, I'll go ahead. Take any from my colleagues. Yeah, uh, yeah. There are a couple of systems that have been installed for um, measuring rock strain, uh, compaction, subsidence type measurements. Uh, there's good transfer from the rock uh, onto the cable, uh, particularly if it's casing conveyed systems. So. Yes, these systems have been around, and I think a handful of these systems installed, and uh, uh, some of them have been published as papers. Yeah, yeah now if I, if I may add just one, one comment on that is that now we, we understand that uh, different types of fibers may transduce certain, certain signals a little bit different. Uh, so oftentimes we may couple temperature and strain, but now we have special fibers that can basically separate more of the pure strain response and the same, not just the fiber, also the interrogators that can track absolute strain versus absolute temperature. So increasingly we're doing a very good job at separating signals of interest depending on the application. Okay, uh, we have, although we have other questions, we're, we're pretty much out of time. So I'd like to just wrap this up and uh, thank the uh, uh, our panelists for uh, and also and for, for attending to, um, to consider joining us in February for optic sensing applications. That's February 20 to 21st. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, thanks, Dennis. Talk to you soon. Well, thank Bye. you, everyone, for joining, and thanks to the SPE. Thanks for the invitation. Thanks for listening to the SPE Live podcast. For more content, visit the SPE Energy Stream, the industry's digital pulse at streaming.spe.org. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe and review. Join us next time on the SPE Live podcast.